Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the world's greatest Doom Patrol related podcast where each and every episode we talk long and lovingly about our favourite superhero team, the mighty Doom Patrol. We certainly do and I am Paul and you can find me on Twitter at reading underscore Hicks and you can also get in touch with us at waitingfordoom.com which is our fantastic website with pics and stuff and mm-hmm. links and things oh, and... So much stuff, yeah. Food. <laughs> no, it doesn't Wait, what? Um, <laughs> We've branched out. <laughs> and you can send us emails to waitingfordoom at gmail.com and we are on Facebook and all of our episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify and podbean.com Indeed, and yes, hello, I'm Mike you can find me on Twitter at AvantGarve you can also find on Twitter our sentient show account here's Wilfred, he's at WFDPod G'day Wilfred, how are you? Hello humans Radio. okay and um, so Paul, how have you been since we last had a Waiting for Doom episode? What have you been up to? Oh, so much, so much stuff that I cannot remember because of old age and deteriorating brain capacity. Oh, um, that's unfortunate. Yeah, no, uh, I, I went to a comic sale yesterday. It was oh. really cool. I was, I was in Canberra and I went to D's Comic Books and Comics, which is my favourite comic shop in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they were having a Leap Day sale because it was the 29th oh, of yes. February. Yeah. Yes, it was. And, um, yeah, I was totally unprepared. You know when you walk in and you go, oh, oh, and then you're overwhelmed with options and you suddenly don't remember what you want or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, so I, um, I I hadn't picked up, I, it wasn't on my pull list, I hadn't got the last few issues of um, Wonder Twins, so, but I managed ah, to get okay. the, last, the last four issues for $2 a piece, which was um, oh, quite a save. Yes, yes, indeed. Wow. It's a saving well of, you know, six or seven hundred dollars if I know our exchange rate correctly. Um, and I did pick up the latest issue of the Suicide Squad, the new Tom Taylor, Excellent. Bruno Redondo um, Suicide Squad, so I got yeah. issue three. And I haven't read any of them because I've been doing my Doom, Doom Patrol due diligence homework, etc. So. Excellent. Wow. Okay. Yes, but exciting times. What about you, Mike? What have you been doing? I've been very busy as well. Uh, I've, I've returned to work. I've I've been back uh-huh. at work officially after my six week break. I need a holiday to get over my holiday, and I need another holiday already after being back <laughs> for a week and a half. Uh, so that's been fun. Um, our youngest turned fourteen this Whoa. week. So yes, we have a, we have two officially have two teenagers in the house now. So uh, that that's interesting. So um, he's been enjoying his weekend by doing very little. So, you know, as one wants to do on their birthday, as as little as possible. Uh, And I did a bunch of reading. I finally got caught up on my pile of shame in terms of comics. I I got through a stack of Terrifics. So I'm I'm through their Year of the Villain type stuff that was going on there with Bizarro and his team of the (laughs) Terribles. So... That was yeah. that was good fun. I'm still amazed that the. I mean, I love the Terrifics. It's such a fun team book. But every issue that comes out, I'm like, man, I'm I'm surprised yet really glad that it's still going, because yeah. it's it's one of those fun books that you just think uh, they could be gone at any minute. But well, I'm glad. Why isn't this not... cancelled? Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I got through a year's worth of Wonder Woman comics. Finally. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, including uh, the. Special 750th issue of that. Uh, I have the George Perez cover for that, so that's Ooh. a fantastic cover. That was a lot of fun. There were lots of really cool, fun, charming stories in that. I think one of my favourite ones was <laughs> Wonder Woman's, uh, you know, in in Man's World, and she suddenly gets this call out that that a Hydra is on the loose back on Themyscira, and they need they need her help. And so when she gets back there, it, everyone's just and they're fighting. The, the Hydra with the other Amazons and they're all asking her like oh you know do you want to come by and have some of the, the cake that I made or do you want you should come and hang out with your mother more often and it turns out that the Hydra was lured out uh, basically as a ruse to get Diana to come and visit home more often oh, it was a ruse <laughs> it was a ruse yes <laughs> wow so uh, that was a, a lot of fun so yes I, I've now kind of got my reading pile under control 
I just nice. need to find some time to, to sit back and work through it a little bit more before the next shipment comes in. Oh, okay. Good grief. So, yeah. One big bit of news for me is I'm now... I've got the internet on at home. Hooray! I'm sitting in my lair, my man cave, and wow. recording, and I'm no longer in the car watching the wildlife. <laughs> No more mother pheasants for you. So. Yeah, I used to podcast like a caveman, but now I am a modern man. <laughs> a caveman in a car. <laughs> Doesn't... Like an animal. Yes, yabba dabba do. I just have this mental image of you running around your town with your foot-powered car and then running your feet on the ground to power the Wi-Fi as well. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. We're getting a bit silly here. Um, so, how about we go and have a look at what's happening at the Doom News Desk? Okay. Okay, if we look at the Doom Patrol News, it's, there's a plethora of news. There's an mm. abundance. There's yes. a, uh, we are spoilt for news. There's news in piles around the place. <laughs> I tripped over a big pile of news on the way in here. <laughs> Careful. Yeah. You'll do yourself an injury. <laughs> Waiting for Doom, we've got piles. That's our new... Uh, <laughs> Can it not be? <laughs> well, yeah, all right. We'll workshop um, it. Okay. Yes, the first bit of casting news. There is a new person cast in the Doom Patrol Season 2 show, and that is Roger Floyd. Um, Roger Floyd, who are an actor who I'm utterly unfamiliar with. Same. Uh, yep, I wonder if he's related to Pink, but maybe not. <laughs> um, but he has been cast as Red Jack. Red Jack, mm. which is, um, you know, if you know your Doom Patrol comics, then uh, Roger Floyd playing Red Jack indicates that we're going to get some butterflies and... Uh, I don't know what the story about because in the comics it's about Lodestone being um, mm. kidnapped by yes. um, Red Jack. So, someone so. who thinks he's well, Red Jack thought he was both God and Jack the Ripper. So yes, uh, and yeah, he was big on the butterflies. Um, he had a thing for for Rhea, but yeah, I don't know how they're going to work that in. Um, yeah, considering Rhea's in the the old superheroes person's home, I guess we'll call yep. it. Yeah. Yes. And of course, once you cast an actor or something, you get a lot more options than you do in the comic where you just basically had a, a designed person talking, you know, without yeah. any real face. So we'll have a real face on this one. So mm. that'll be different. Um, the other big bit of news, um, we, we got the spoiler at the end of season one that uh, Dorothy was joining the cast. Uh, we saw her from behind, but not the front. Mm-hmm. And the front of her will be played by Abigail Shapiro, uh, a young lady. So yes, yes. Now, so that's... There, there have been some photos of her on the set, but not without any sort of makeup or, I guess, prosthetics applied to her face. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether they leave her as is or whether they change her appearance somehow. I'm hoping they change it somehow. Yeah. I think yeah. they'd have to. Yeah, maybe they will. But um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. Mm. And... Finally, in the last bit of Doom Patrol news we've got is that the behind-the-scenes people are talking about plans for Season 3 and 4. So, mm. Mm, that sounds very optimistic and uh, hopefully will be uh, a reality for us. Yes, yes. Because they, they could definitely go a few more seasons. It's just... They could. It's just going to be interesting to see. Look, we might even see... <laughs> we may even see Grunt on the screen at some point. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Because we'll have to roll out the Doom Patrol bingo cards again as the season two nears closer. Yes. So, so maybe we can come up with some more bingo to go with that. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bingo. That's that's a lot of news about the TV show. Any news about Doom Patrol, the comic itself, though, Paul? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Um, I was alerted by one of my minions recently. <laughs> I'm a minion now. <laughs> wow. Thanks, partner. <laughs> just, just wait in your kennel till I need you. Um, wow! Oh my god. <laughs> We're going to have words after this, my friend. <laughs> yes, um, the final issue, issue 7, has been resolicited. Um, it's pushed back to the 8th of April now. So uh, for a while it was sitting on the 1st of April, which was unfortunate. <laughs> now they've gone with the, 
8th of April, which yeah. is also more unfortunate. But anyway, um, and the solicitation, it's by Gerard Way, Jeremy Lambert uh, with art and covers, art and covers Ooh. by Nick Derrington. Nice. Yeah, and it says, everyone needs to be held like a baby. Bundle yourself up, slide into the loving arms of a friend, and strap yourself in for the thrilling conclusion to Doom Patrol, Weight of the Worlds. And it's a uh, recommended three ninety nine comic for mature readers, but we can read it. Because <laughs> we don't care. We, we don't. Just, we, we don't we play just, by society's rules. We, just, we don't. Nah, we're, we're our own thing. And We're a white-hot rocket of free expression. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in other news that provided by my trusty minion, the uh, <laughs> Doom Patrol Way to the World, it's now a, a trade paperback, definitely, and it's nineteen ninety nine, and it will be shipping on the 18th of August 2020 in the mm. future. At, at this stage. Yeah, and um, I think every box will come free with the coronavirus at this point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> As an incentive. Yeah. Incentive? What? <laughs> oh. <laughs> the sooner we all get it, the sooner we can get over it. Right. Anyway. Okay. That's, that's one form of logic. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But apart from that, the only thing I'm confused about is the ticking noise that I hear. The ticking? What is... what, that ticking you can hear, Paul. Come on. You know what it is. It's the doom clock. Oh. Yeah. Again. Seriously. It's the doom clock. <laughs> Minion, oh, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, as we look upon the face of the mighty Doom Clock, we can see that it has been 12 weeks since we had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves, that being issue 6 of Doom Patrol Way to the Worlds, which we discussed in episode 155 from December of 2019. God, that feels like so long ago. It is. It, it is. is. Now that, yeah, it's March now. Uh, anyway, uh, issue seven, as Paul said, the final issue of this volume is at this stage rescheduled and has been pushed back to April the 8th of 2020, which is another five weeks away with the trade paperback. Apparently at this stage, so far, unless it changes again, due for release on August 18th. So Paul, with that out of the way, are you ready for the This Week in Doom Patrol History guessing game? At this stage. At this stage, you are? Yes? Yes. Okay. Here we go. I'm rolling the eight-sided Doom die. And, ooh, you're getting six. Ooh, nice. Six guesses. All right. So, question the first. Uh, Is it a Doom Patrol issue prior to 1978 or after? One moment, please. Ooh, that's telling. It was prior to 1978. Oh, okay. Good. Um, is it, perchance, a showcase issue? It is not a showcase issue. Is it a digest? It is not a digest. That's that's half your question's gone. Okay. Is it... All right, well... Well, okay. Um, is it a Doom Patrol issue? It is a Doom Patrol issue. Okay. And that's four questions. Yes, you're under question five now. Is it uh, an issue full of reprints? No, it is not. Okay, it's uh, Doom Patrol 115. It is not. It is Doom Patrol 87. So you were kind what? of... You were kind of close. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, sort of, not really... Uh, really, no. no, no. So going on sale for US twelve cents on March fifth of nineteen sixty four, with a cover date of May of that year, was issue eighty seven of Doom Patrol Volume One. That issue was brought to us by Arnold Drake, Bruno Premiani, Bob Brown, and Murray Boltonoff, and featured two stories: the terrible secret of Negative Man and Robot Man fights alone. In the first story, the Patrol take on the Brotherhood of Evil, who have used an expanding ray to embiggen toy tanks and soldiers in order to rob the Federal Reserve, as mm. you do, of course. While in the backup story, Cliff tracks down escaped killer Vince Harding, remember Vince Harding? To the, long ab- <laughs> to the long-abandoned World War II battleground of Sutu Island and attempts to bring him to justice despite his robot body suffering through numerous traps. Take lots of drinks, everybody. Uh, also, that issue was apparently the final appearance of uh, everyone's favourite 
member of the Brotherhood of Evil, Poro Giacomo. Oh. Yeah, that was, you know, okay. he was not long for this world, Poro Giacomo, just just vanished. So, Can I have one more guess? Because I think I've got it. <laughs> um, sure. Um, Doom Patrol 87. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I thought, did, did you just black out completely in the last couple of minutes? <laughs> <laughs> you might want to let me edit this episode too. <laughs> no. Uh, so we, co- we covered that issue all the way back in episode nine from February of 2015. Jeez, almost five years exactly, but not quite. Uh, and you can find that in the Doom dossier for Volume 1 over at waitingfordoom.com. And that is it for the Doom Clock this week. I know it's heartbreaking to have your favourite shows preempted, but look what you're getting instead. JLU Cast brings you Justice League Season 2. Back in business. The Justice League faces their greatest foes. This is a chance to rid ourselves of the League once and for all. Darkseid. Brainiac. Dr. Destiny. Lex Luthor. Amazo. Vandal Savage. Eclipso. The Joker. Harley Quinn. The Royal Flush Gang. The Secret Society of Supervillains. And themselves? Dale Ucast Season 2, available on iTunes and Apple Podcasts and at firewaterpodcast.com. Always have to be the hero, don't you? Right back at you. And now it's time for the Doom Splaining segment of the show where we look in depth at a couple of Doom Patrol issues. This week we are going back to Volume 5 covering issues 14 and 15. Paul, please kick us off with issue 14. Okay, now in order to understand this issue, we need to have a previously in the Doom Patrol segment, which I will now usher you into. Please step into this darkened room. <laughs> Ooh. Um, Okay, sure. Close up the curtain. Okay, beautiful. Um, So, during the Blackest Night event, Niles Calder, a.k.a., which stands for also known as, uh, the Chief, had an unpleasant encounter with his ex-wife, Arani, who also happened to be dead at the time. This resulted in involuntary removal of both his already crippled legs at the knees. Arita Far, a.k.a., which stands for also known as, Elastigirl, Elastiwoman, in fact, I'll call her, finally confronted her ex-husband, Steve Dayton, a.k.a., which stands for also known as, Mento, about his history and ongoing habit of mental manipulations and violations. In the face of another unwelcome intrusion into her mind, she snapped, grew to giant size while grabbing Steve in her hand with bloodlust in her eyes. As for what else has been going on, newest team member Ambushbug will fill us in. Gather round, folks, and I'll tell you a tale of good versus evil and heroes for sale, of robots and mummies and women who grow, and recap what's happened for those who don't know. He called himself Jost and he had a grand plan. He'd create a new super team sworn to serve man, and he called them the frontmen, and if I'm not mistaken, because all the good names were already taken... Then Joss conned the Doom Patrol into a fight and invited the media to witness the sight of the Doom Patrol's reckless attack on his team, all the while knowing things aren't as they seem. You see, Jost wasn't quite the man he used to be. He'd been taken by Mr. Somebody, you see. Once Mr. Nobody, when Grant was the writer, now a corporate shark and distinctly much whiter. And Rita D. Rita confessed to her shame, though deep down she knew that the chief was to blame for bringing her back to life she once knew as 124 pounds of moist goo. And there things that I've not touched on, well, maybe a few. Well, it's only six panels, what more could I do? And if you're reading this while in the store, thanks for the support, cheapskate. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So this is Doom Patrol uh, 14. It's, uh, it came mm. out in, uh, well, the published, well, on the cover it says November 2010, but it was actually published uh, September 9th, 2010. It cost $2.99. It was all edited by Elizabeth V. Gerlain. It was written by Keith Giffen, penciled by Matthew Clark and Ron Randall, inked by John Livesay, lettered by Steve Wands and Pat Brousseau, and it was coloured by Guy Major. And the title of this issue is Power Player, and on the cover, it shows, um, well, a very dark and ominous red background with the Doom Patrol logo sort of cut through by uh, some sort of slice. Mm. And in front is the Chief, and he is ripping open his shirt to reveal a Superman uh, shirt underneath. 
while hovering slightly off the ground with his chair trashed in front of him. Mm. Mm, fantastic cover, yes. eh? Yeah, it, it, and it's a super chief. Super chief. And he's a super chief, super chief, he's super chief, eh? Yeah. No. Sorry. It's, it's the all singing episode, this one. Yeah, it is, all singing. <laughs> Anyway, so what happens inside this issue? I will tell you. Thank you for asking. Uh, <coughs> Cliff and Father Rocky Davis, uh, former member of the Challengers of the Unknown, now minister serving the team, are walking along the beach talking about the ongoing morale issues of the Doom Patrol. Their progress is interrupted by the distance appearance of giant Rita flinging her ex-husband through the air. Cliff does a mighty leap and intercepts Steve, allowing them both to splash down in the ocean, mostly unharmed. Rocky runs to Rita where she shrinks, horrified that she may have killed Steve, and he comforts her as she sobs in despair. Ulan Island security chief Blanka tracks the incident, but doesn't send a security team to just detain Rita. She believes it's unlikely that Steve will press charges. In his lab, Niles reviews recent recordings of his team. He is surreptitiously made by a hidden camera in Cliff's chest. The team are drawing close together, bonded by their trauma and shared contempt for him. He enters his private lab where he discusses the developments with his personal AI, Millicent. He is losing control of the team. They are ungrateful. And what's worse, they have been unable to protect him in recent skirmishes such as the Blackest Night incident and against Mr. Somebody. Mm. He then discusses with Millicent the risks and merits of his experimentation with a Kryptonian that he has recently captured from recent developments with New Krypton. You can refer to yeah. recent episodes of DCOCD for that. Episode 35 or 6? <laughs> anyway, uh, despite the 4.9% chance of fatality, he decides to execute his plan and activates an energy coupling between himself and the semi-dissected Kryptonian. Power surges into his body and his lab explodes, blacking out the entire island. He hovers above the discussion brief, briefly, being bombarded by infinite sounds, smells and colours. His eyes widen and he clears the sensations exquisite and then zooms away. He has been observed by Blanka's security team, though. The Doom Patrol arrive at the site of his lab and discuss what occurred. Cliff is not surprised that the chief was hovering. His chair has always had amazing capabilities. But then Dusty tells him that Niles wasn't in the chair. <gasps> Nearby, Niles is listening to their discussion with super hearing. He realises the team know too much about him. Um, he mumbles briefly in Kryptonian and then flies away. Blanka theorises that Larry's negative energy could explore Niles' decimated lab for clues. Cliff complains that Larry couldn't find his own butt with a flashlight and a butt map. <laughs> Larry responds, there are butt maps? <laughs> before being instantly destroyed by the chief flying through his body at super speed Ooh. Cliff's head is suddenly ripped off his robot body and then Rita is cut in half the chief looks down on his ruined team and tells them all to remember he could have destroyed them all and Larry's energy is already accessing a new body that was stored for him they must not interfere with his job and they, uh, Rita asks what job was that and he said the job of saving the world from itself Ooh. Delusions of grandeur, but yeah. <clears throat> Holy Julie, yeah. what an issue, eh? Yes, yes, indeed. It's all happening. It's mm. it's volume volume five's version of the chief's heel turn in volume two. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I do have to say, I really like Larry's uh, lines in this. Yeah, I, I think it was in this issue where, well, yes, yeah, the butt map one, but then there was also a very short scene. Where uh, I think he says, um, "Hey, did you know Steve can fly now?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, inappropriate." But um, yeah, so uh, and yes, uh, the Superman New Krypton episode of DCO City is episode thirty-six. Yeah, so there you go. Oh, thank you. But yeah, well, well, this is very dark stuff, and yeah. the chief just sort of going mad with power and being pissed off that his ungrateful children can never do right by him. Yes, it's so uh, patronising and, yeah, it's very typical of the Chief. I mean, it, it basically says that anything he does that's nice for the team is calculated because he thinks they'll respond well to it. Mm. So all his interactions with the team are exactly on his terms the way he wants them to. And he he is a um, an awful manipulator. And on top of this, you've just had Rita sort of recovering from her manipulations from Steve Dayton, her ex-husband, with his mental powers. Uh, yep. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, the, the chief is out of control. Yeah. 
But one thing I really did like, when the team are, are talking to each other and the chief is spying on them, mm. they're all talking about how they've all got each other. And then uh, I love that Bumblebee says, can I get in on this? And so, someone says, little girl, you were never out of it. So they really confirm yeah. that she belongs yeah. with the team, even though as far as um, real estate on the page and stories, she doesn't really get her space, does she? No, she, do- she doesn't do a heck of a lot in this run. And either it is glossed over or I've just forgotten how she even ended up there being part of the team. It was just like she was just there. It's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I also like that 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 scene with uh, Niles looking at the footage because the way I read that, that is actually what happens before the start of issue 13 where um, Rita had revealed her blob bed that she has to recover in Uh, and it opened with Bumblebee you know flying out of the room in tears because in these scenes here it it basically ends with Rita saying ah guys since we're being all open here there's something you should know it's in the bedroom and that's where she revealed Uh the truth as to what um, uh, the chief had done to her so it's yeah it's like a little recap to the previous issue as well so but, but yeah, the, the the chief's just gone dark here. He's, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. literally caught a Kryptonian from the new Krypton event. So basically all these Kryptonians have been uh, returned from the bottle city of Kandor and become um, normal-sized. And they've mm. been running around the world, you know, displaying their powers and getting the hang of, you know, having what Superman has, you know, grown up with. Mm-hmm. And at some point he's caught one and basically started cutting him open to see what yes. makes him tick, which is very disturbing. <laughs> Yes, and it's. I like that it's also connecting to the rest of the DCU. Yeah, in a really surprising and unexpected way, because yeah, there's there's been like no mention of what else is going on in, in DC's Earth, but it's like, oh, hang on, there's a Kryptonian in a lab with its chest open and <laughs> all these gadgets and devices, and oh look, there goes the chief hooking himself up to the other end of all those devices. Oh, oh look, the chief is flying now. Yeah, and I, I love the art um, by uh, Matthew Clark. It just shows the chief looking so maniacal, like he really does mm-hmm. look insane. Um, and yes. Flying around with his leg pants dangling because he's got no lower legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but like, you know, using the, the heat blast on Larry's body, that's a great panel there. Yeah. And and just the shock on the rest of the team's faces. And, yeah, it's... He, he takes him out in, like, a split second. He does. And he's like, yeah, uh, I could have could have ended you all here and now, but I want you to know, don't mess with me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I love wow. when he blacks out the island and all the scientists reacted, reacting, and one of them goes, my daughter! Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, but of course they all know it's something to do with Niles and his band of freaks. Yeah. So, mm, yeah, yeah not nah, great issue. Volume 5 is so good. It is. Uh, yeah. Love it. Love and it's it. got a density to it that it really rewards you if you reread it. I mean, like, you know, the structure of it isn't, you know, super easy to digest. So the more you read it, the more you see how it connects. Mm. Yeah. No. And I should point out, this ep- issue was never collected in trade. This was the last... Um, the last volume of trade was solicited but never in, um, came out. So this would have been the first issue of the last volume of the ah, collections. Dear. But, I mean, I am fairly optimistic that, as with all things Doom Patrol, they're going to reprint this. So It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they, I think they need to get more stuff out there if with the new season on its way at some point this year. So Well... Yeah, there's the Bronze Age Omnibus now, which collects mm-hmm. everything by um, Kupperberg, yep. um, including the pre-Doom Patrol comebacks. And, yep. um, you know, we've got the Silver Silver Age Omnibus, and there's the Morrison Omnibus. Yeah, so more Doom Patrol, please. And yes, please. There is a John Byrne Omnibus. But... Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm thinking that could be a very good wedding present for you. For me. <laughs> Are you now? <laughs> right. Okay. Mm. Uh, okay. First, first minion comment, and now <laughs> threatening this with the uh, just making some notes here. Just, oh no, no! Don't thank me. <laughs> no. I, finally <laughs> enough, I have not. <laughs> You're worth it. Oh, oh wow! Okay. 
So what else have we got to talk about here today? Uh, let's talk about issue 15, the very next issue, which is titled A House Divided. Uh, pretty much the exact same creative team on board this one. Written again by Keith Giffen, penciled by Matthew Clark and Ron Randall, inked by John Livesay and Matthew Clark, lettered by Pat Brousseau, colours by Guy Major, with a cover by Clark and Major. It was edited by Simona Martor and Elizabeth V. Gerlain. And on the cover, it shows the team looking uh, a bit in distress as Super Chief flies above them. He's He's holding um, a half a robot man by a falling apart arm as Rita is reaching out for him. The chief has just got this evil grin on his face and red glowing eyes. And yeah, it's not looking good for our team. Can I say, he looks a little bit like evil Colonel Sanders. <laughs> uh, yes, he, he does a bit. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, well, I'll... Can't get that image out of my head now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, diving into the issue, Oolong Island President Veronica Cowell has been brought up to speed on the Super Chief situation, with one of the Science Squad confirming that Niles Calder discovered a way to transfer traits that give Kryptonians their superpowers when exposed to yellow sun radiation. Cowell's security chief, Blanka, tells her the patrol are still recovering from the Chief's attack, to which Cowell demands that they be nationalised and then sent to the operations centre. Meanwhile, in Antarctica, Niles is congratulating himself on removing all the weapons in the world from their owners and dumping them in massive piles on the ice shelves in a mere 5 minutes, 38.7 seconds from start to finish. And he wonders why none of the other heroes have been able to accomplish this before any other so-called protectors of humanity can arrive to undo all his good work, as he says, Niles decides a preemptive strike is in order and flies off into the distance. Back on Oolong, President Kale is getting Robot Man, Elastor Woman and Negative Man brought up to speed. Niles has murdered a Kryptonian on Oolong Island, and so she's nationalising the patrol during this time of crisis, as per her arrangement with the Chief, the very man she now wants the team to bring in. One of the security agents in the operations centre announces that Niles has been located in Manhattan, where we learn that he's addressing the United Nations. And floating mid-air before the UN General Assembly, Niles lays down the law, listing the failings of the United Nations and how he won't tolerate them any further. Partway through his speech, he appears to speak in Kryptonian before telling the Assembly to choose wisely, and then he flies off straight through the ceiling. Back in the Oolong Ops Centre, uh, our heroes have determined that Niles must be headed towards the nation of Bialya, and with the Science Squad member on hand, that the procedure the Chief did on the Kryptonian may have transferred more than just powers. Getting annoyed, Veronica Cowell demands to know what plan they've got ready to take him down, to which Cliff replies they'll have a plan as soon as she lets them see whatever contingencies she has available for taking down Superman. When Veronica gets defensive, asking what makes him think she has such a thing, Cliff cuts her off with the words, Black Adam. Ooh, snap! That's yeah. <laughs> that's a nice little verbal slap down and a nice callback to uh, the 52 event. Go, Cliff. Mm. Soon enough, the team are face-to-face with the Chief. Ambushbug has teleported onto Niles' back as he zooms across <laughs> the ocean with a get-along, little doggy, and steers him towards the rest of the team. Negative Man zips through Niles' body while Cliff disorients him with a blast from a sound wave gun, giving Rita enough time to grab him from the air and throw him into a nearby building. Unfortunately, this still doesn't slow Niles down, and he flies towards them, ignoring the missiles that Cliff has launched from his back of his new body. Soon the chief has Robot Man pinned to the ground, ripping both his arms off and decapitating him again. And it's at this moment that the AI Millicent speaks to Cliff in his head, asking if he has more than an ear imbalance planned for the chief. Negative Man puts his energy being into Niles' body, causing some pain, and Elastor Woman slams the Chief into the ground. But again, it's pointless. Super Chief flies up right through Rita's hand, blasting her in the face with heat vision, and demanding Larry leave his body, otherwise the next blast will incinerate her. With the team in disarray, and as Niles begins to fly away, Millicent suggests to Cliff, as he's still the only one who can hear her, that the team distract and provoke the Chief, as he's suffering a neurological malfunction due to stimulus overload. Cliff relays the plan to Larry, who calls out to Niles, um, dad? (laughs) 
the chief stops and turns back and begins telling them all how difficult they were despite him giving them everything, giving them a purpose after their separate tragedies. As he continues monologuing, he picks up Cliff's head and begins to crush it when Cliff suddenly says, by the way, this was all Millicent's idea. A stunned Niles repeats her name, then collapses. Millicent then speaks to the rest of the team via Cliff's head, and she reveals that she used rapid light subliminals, courtesy of Cliff's optics. She effectively turned the chief off neurologically. Unsure as to how Millicent even got into Cliff, or how long Niles will stay down, they have Ambush Bug teleport them back to Oolong to wrap things up. And back on the island, President Kale is briefed on what's happened, and she has Niles placed in a very secure-looking, technologically-built casket while also demanding Millicent be loaded into a secure system because she doesn't want some rogue AI going through Oolong's networks. Larry retreats to his favourite pier, fuming over the chief's claims that he was always his favourite, unaware that a pelican is watching him from the bushes nearby. (gasps) In Cliff's bungalow, he gets settled into his final remaining body while talking with Rita and trying to make sense of everything that's happened before getting her wounds seen to. And in an undisclosed location, the comatose chief, secured in the metal casket, is placed within a vault, as the reader is shown excerpts from his personal journal. An early entry lamenting the loss of his legs, a later entry reflecting on his formation of the Doom Patrol, and a final excerpt full of bitterness at the team's anger towards him, and their accusations of him being the cause of their separate tragedies. Noel's Calder only hopes that one day they will come to understand that a parent should never outlive his children. Oh, what did you think of this one, Paul? Oh, it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. What an issue. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's the fridging of the chief, in a way. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, because yeah. I... I can't recall because it's been so long since I've read any of these issues, but I'm pretty sure that's the last we see of Niles Calder in this volume. I believe you are correct, my yeah, friend. I don't think he comes back at all in my no. life. Which was yeah. just like... I mean, I'd forgotten that it happened. I'm reading it, I'm like, reading it for this episode. I'm going, whoa, that's right! He's, he's done for. He's been shot. He, he's in a coma, basically, and he's secured away, and we'd never see him again. Which is huge! Mm, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. No, it's great. Uh, I love the the fact that Ira Quimby, who who is the uh, ex JLA Vision uh, villain IQ, is the one you know theorizing about what Niles has been doing. Is to that Veronica who it Kale. was? I could because they didn't mention his name, and I couldn't tell by the T-shirt he was wearing or any other clue. So it's Quimby. Okay, right. Yeah. Yep, and um, yeah, I, I love... I mean, one thing about these comics was I was writing it up and we had a lot of interaction with Blanca, who's the security chief. Mm. Um, she's the blonde woman who's got a cross sort of carved into her forehead. Yes. Um, yeah, and but it took me... For, I had to go and look up online what her name is because they never bloody say her name. <laughs> I know her name is said once in the series. But yes. I'm, I think it still hasn't been said yet. Mm. So. It, it wasn't said in either of these issues. Um, no. Yeah, same, same with um, the Quimby being there and there's no mention as to who he actually is. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, can I refer you to page two, two of the issue with the page- title page? Page two. I shall go to page two right now. I am looking at page two, yes. Okay, so we've got piles of uh, missiles, and um, there's some penguins, and it's in uh, Antarctica, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, I know what yep. you're going to point out. <laughs> yeah, what's it say on the ground there, in the, behind it, the Doom Patrol words? It, it's got the, the sign for the Justice League Antarctica <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> it does! <laughs> <laughs> I've never noticed that before. Yeah, I... I same here. I only noticed that reading the issue before <laughs> when preparing for this episode. I was like, what's that down behind? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it's from the famous uh, Justice League International Annual Number 4, which is um, where the Injustice League form Justice League Antarctica, and the, they basically get sent to Antarctica by the Justice League to get out of their hair, um, <laughs> but end up having a world-threatening adventure uh, right. with um, very, very dangerous penguins. <laughs> Wow, yes. Nice little callback to the rest of the DCU. Uh, yeah. yeah. And coincidentally, I did get JMD Matias to sign that issue for me, and I told him it was my favourite issue of the Justice League, and he said it was his as well. So, oh, ooh. nice. Nice. Yeah. Very Fantastic. Nice. Yes, but I, 
I really love seeing the team acting as a team in yeah. this, where, like, Ambushbug <laughs> teleports under Niles' back, which is <laughs> enough of a distraction to begin with. But, you know, then Cliff's got the, the sonic gun to give uh, the chief an ear imbalance to throw him off, and then, you know, Larry's zipping through his body, and then Rita's grab. It's like they were a cohesive team for a change. They are yeah. actually all working together, and that's not something we've seen a lot of in Volume 5. Yeah. They've, they've kind of come together as a team in the last moment, but this was like, okay, we've got a plan, we know what we're doing, let's do it. Unfortunately, you know, the Chief is Super Chief and has Kryptonian superpowers, so it's kind of all for naught, but, you know, they with, with the help of Millicent... Now, Millicent, I don't think we've had any hints of her before these two issues at all. No, no. Millicent first appeared in the last issue. Yeah. Uh, at, at the same time, we discovered that uh, the Chief had a Kryptonian. There was no hints of that either. Yeah. So... <laughs> It's very Keithy given that this plot just comes out of nowhere and it's suddenly, whoa. Yeah. It's hitting. I mean, you think about it, it's such a big deal. This is the issue where the Doom Patrol fights the Chief. Mm. You know? Yeah. They've never got to do that before. I mean, in Volume 2, he revealed himself as evil and then immediately had his head ripped off by an android. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yes, th- this is... This is a great story in this. I just, oh, the, the, yeah, you're right. The fact that it comes out of nowhere and it's like, you know, the Chief has always had grand designs on how he thinks the world should be. And what better way to implement that than giving him, oh, I don't know, Kryptonian superpowers. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then he immediately goes Superman 4 quest for peace on the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I just love the way he's like saying, oh, well, you know, the, the speed and the power he, I've got going for me and oh look I've got all the weapons here in the Antarctic in less than six minutes you know it's <laughs> like and why has no one else done this before oh I bet they're going to come he's just so full of himself which yeah. is so chief it's oh it's so well it's done not an ounce of self doubt is there no 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 he's, he's very confident <laughs> very <laughs> very confident oh but yeah it's um, I, I love volume five this is another standout storyline here and just the fact that, yeah, it's they get to take on the chief and then put him away. Mm. It's just huge. It's yeah. so huge. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Great issues. If you want to read them, they are on Comixology. So, or on the DC Universe app, if you have that. Yes. So, yes. yes. But yes, we're, we're slowly but surely getting ever closer to the end of Volume 5. So yeah. We're only, what, seven issues to go now? So. Some, something like that? Something mm. like that? Yeah. Plus, plus a tie-in issue. Oh, yes, yes. We've got some uh, Secret Six stuff to come up as well. So, yeah. But, oh, so, if you haven't read Volume 5 before, please go and track it down. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a beauty. It, it's a beaut. It's a beaut. It's a bloody beaut. Yes. So, uh, you think we're all doomsplained out? I think we are today, yes. Excellent. <laughs> And now it's the part of the show where we are diving into the mailbag of doom, which is a proverbial mailbag, not a literal mailbag, and it's mm. a proverbial dive, not a literal dive. I have no. no diving equipment or, you know, there is not enough mail for that purpose at all. Anyway, <laughs> and most of it's electronic these days, so... You know. Yeah, how, how are you going to so do that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just yeah. so we're all clear. So. It's not like, you know, a Scrooge McDuck-sized mailbag. We're no. just going to dive into it, no. No, it's not literal. And postage isn't <laughs> cheap these days. I mean, it is not. No, no, no one sends letters these days. No, no. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, but where were we? Okay, uh, we did ask <laughs> the question, the question of the week, and we said, "What's your? Who's your favourite?" No, I said, "What's your favourite Streetwise comic character story or arc?" And um, yeah, we put it out there to people, and they came back at us in droves. And we mm. heard from um, Martin Gray, and he said, "Luke Cage, especially when wit- written by Mary Jo Duffy." Ooh, nice. Ooh, okay. Sweet Christmas. <laughs> uh, we then heard from Clinton at Coffee and Comics blog, uh, and Clinton said, hmm, let's go with Tim Drake. Particularly, let's go with the three Robin minis that came out prior to his ongoing. Okay. Ooh, is it bad that I don't really like those minis? I, I think that Tim Drake really took off once he had his own series and ongoing. No, no that you're, you're more than entitled to that opinion if you did okay. not enjoy them. I haven't Beautiful. read them, so I can't pass judgment. So, yeah. Yes, well, I guess this show does give us a platform to state our 
you know, opinions. Yes. It's not a diving platform into a mailbag. Oh, <laughs> my God. Who else did we hear from, Paul? We heard from Doom Patrol writer Paul Kupperberg, legendary Ooh. Paul Kupperberg, yes. who brought the, tomb, the team back in Volume 2 and before that. And he said, I'm partial to Adrian Chase, the vigilante. And that's yes. a character that he did extensive work with. Yeah, he, he wrote yeah. that uh, from, I think, 85 to 88. So, Just off, yeah. off the top of your head, you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called research, mate. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we then heard from our friend uh, Kevin, who this week his Twitter handle is Warthecle Invite Me. Okay. Uh, and he replied with an image of uh, Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli's Batman Year One book. Nice. Mm. Yeah. I have not read that, so I'll, I'll trust, trust Kevin's good taste. Do you think for the research, maybe I could get my minion onto it? Anyway, um, we heard from Andrew Leyland, and he said uh, he named some arcs, comic mm. arcs, 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 your friends about the comics you like. Uh, he said Criminal, Bad Weekend, Daredevil, Born Again, Gotham Central, Half Alive, Punisher Max, The Slavers, Spider-Man, The Death of Gene DeWolf, and Batman Year One. And I have read all of those except for The Death of Gene DeWolf, and they are wow. all fantastic. There's some really okay. street-level good arcs there. Yeah. Thank you, cool. Andrew. Nice, well done. Uh, we then heard from Sean Ross of the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, and Sean said, my favourite Streetwise character would have to be Jessica Jones. Bendis and Gatos create a great noir character, complete with tragic background, highly questionable decision-making, a drinking problem, and superpowers. The original Alias series is a gem. Nice. Mm, absolutely. Uh, we heard from Frack who's no-show frack at the moment. I don't know why oh, he has no-show. No. Uh, but he said, Devil, Daredevil, born again. There is no better Daredevil story. Wow. Mm. Okay. Big call. Tend to agree. It's mm. a really good one. Yeah. Uh, Tim Price uh, chimed in with saying he has a wise guy answer, looking to see if anyone else said it. Mm, no, no, okay, I'm going for it. And he answered with Danny the Street. Oh, street-wise, Garrett. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, oh well played, street Tim. level. Ah, mm. uh, well played. Charming but deceitful. Um. <laughs> and then we heard from uh, Jonathan Dye, Changing Shades. He's yes. saying his uh, Twitter handle is Winter Can Bite My Shiny Mental Ass. So <laughs> and he said Comic Marvels. So he's gone with the whole comic being Marvel, uh, you know, the perspective being yes. from the street level. Yeah, yes. very good. Um, and character, Daredevil, and story, Daredevil, Born Again. I'm starting to see some commonalities between yes. these responses yes. in this uh, mailbag that I'm swimming around in. <laughs> no, figuratively, not literally. Figuratively. Come on, come on, get it right. <laughs> uh, we then heard from Cameron Williams at Wasgo on the Twitters, and Cam replied with, Sesame Street is a pretty wise street. Not sure why you phrased the question that way, though. Um, and he gave us an image of some art from Sesame Street. Whoa. And, and we, we had a response from, from Aaron Long, Juice005, and he he chimed in with, weird phrasing, this is literally the only acceptable answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks, um, guys. Yeah, yeah and you, you uh, were on the social media about a um, Lego set of Sesame Street that's coming out. Yes. There's a, uh, like, the corner apartment building uh, with Big Bird's Nest on one side and, and you can open it up and you can see Bert and Ernie's apartment and a bunch of other... It's like, what? what? Wow! And I'm kind of like, I know I'm probably not the target audience for it, but there's a part of me that wants it. <laughs> so, yeah, every now and again, a Lego set comes out, which is, you know, the Lego equivalent of a um, G.I. Joe space shuttle to me. Um, <laughs> but, geez, I'm tempted. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... There's been a number of times I've... I've lingered in front of the uh, Disney castle made of Lego. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think with this one, it's just, it's hit me right in the nostalgia. Because uh, I had a yes. Fisher-Price playset that was similar to that when I was a kid. And yeah, except this Lego thing is much more fancier and has much more rooms and, and cool stuff. So yeah. Anyway, who else did we hear from, Paul? Uh, we heard from Tim Price. Again. Deceitful. Um, oh, but charming, Tim Price. And he yes. says, your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man, of course. And he highlighted two issues of Tom Taylor's friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man. So, right. nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, Alan Middleton chimed in with John Sable, Freelance. Uh, the Mike Grell character. 
you think the freelance offer is still available, or was it at the time? Uh, I, I, I would say yes. You know, yes. so you get a freelance. Yeah, every sure. Yeah, yep. Yeah. That's what John does. He says, "Thanks for hiring me. Here's your freelance." Go uh, jousting. That'd be fun. You, you could, yes. You know, although um, I would assume lances aren't that cheap, so you might want to joust carefully. <laughs> You know, because okay. I'm, I'm sure it's limit to one per customer. You know? Okay. You, you wouldn't just go, oh, Mr. Sable, sorry, I've damaged my lance. Can I have another one? Wow. You'd think it'd be a bigger thing, all these freelancers that people get. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, we heard from Andy Leyland again. <laughs> he said, Daredevil, if Spider-Man is done properly, as i.e. crime noir means 90210. Does he really mean 90210? That's um, what he's written. Then he'd win. Spider-Man meets Brenda and... and oh, God. Dylan and... Wow. Okay. <laughs> Someone stole all the soda from the peach pit. Oh, no. <laughs> Someone called Spider-Man. <laughs> wow. I know okay. too much about that show. We then heard from KSCGSF Podcast. I believe that's Carl Bennings. Carl uh, and uh, Carl wrote quality comics character named 711 from the early issues of Police Comics in the Golden Age. It was a very short run, but a perfect Golden Age crime noir comic. Cool. Yeah. But no freelance. So no. no. <laughs> you, you can only get those from John Sable, not from yes. 711. Uh, <laughs> we heard from Craig R. McDee, or Canadian Geek as he's known, and he said The Fade Out by Brubaker and Phillips. Did you read that one? I haven't read that I one. I did read that one. I believe that's the the crime one set in like 1950s Hollywood. Ah. And it's it's a gorgeous book and it's it's a really good read. Yeah, okay. it's it's really good stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's Craig, thank you. That's a really good recommendation. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we then heard from Ryan Daly at Ryan Daly zero one, and Ryan says since Batman should not be considered street level, but I, uh, yeah, I, okay. Uh, for DC, Ryan's favourite is the Wesley Dodds Sandman of Sandman Mystery Theater. For Marvel, probably Daredevil or the Daughters of the Dragon, Misty Knight, and Colleen Wing. Ah, mm. nice, nice answers covering both universes. I respect that. Ryan, even yes. though I don't respect you for shaving off your beard. So. Yeah, what's that about? You know, come on. Yeah, only the brave and the bold. <laughs> anyway, the brave, the bold, and the beardy. Yes, we heard uh, from Weasel Skull, and, <laughs> and I've met Weasel Skull. He's a nice guy, and, nice. <laughs> and he said, "I love Bendis's alias." Do you know where I met him? Uh, here is Con. Yes, I've been to Heroes Con. Have you? So have I. Wow. Oh, wow. We, we must have just missed each other by a year yeah, or something. Year. Uh, we then heard from Big Tim Styles, who gave us a bunch of answers. He said, for comic, he said, Dear Editor, by Ryan K. Lindsay and Sammy Cavella. Uh, character, Cal McDonald from Steve Niles' Criminal Macabre. Story, Sons of Anarchy. And Ark, Captain America, Streets of Poison, by Mark Grunewald and Ron Lim. Nice. Oh, some good choices there. Um, can you be more specific, Tim? We don't know which comics you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like Dear Editor. That's great. Uh, we heard from Dr. Ange, and he said, The question. Which question? No, we want the answer, Ange. Um, no, actually, oh, I see. The question, especially in the O'Neill Cowan run in the 80s. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> good answer with the question, Ange. Uh, uh, we then heard from Brian Gooney, who I don't think we've heard from before. Thanks for joining us, oh. Brian. He's at NJ Paragon on the Twitters, and Brian's answer was, my favourite was Manhunter by John Ostrander. That's a good run. Cool. Nice. Yeah. It, 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 does, it is sort of streetwise, and then it gets a bit space-wise for a bit, so... Okay. Cool. Hmm. We heard from Jared Driscoll on... Uh, oh, this is Facebook, isn't it? And he yes. said, uh, the Yancey Street Gang from the Fantastic Four. Ooh. <laughs> See, do they actually exist? I only ever, you know, heard them being referenced by Ben Grimm. I think so. they do exist. You do actually see a few members occasionally. Okay. So. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then we also heard from Peter Watson 
on the Facebook page, and he said, Sergeant Streetwise from the 80s Eagle comic. Seriously, how could there be any other choice? Now, Sergeant Streetwise appears to be actors posing for photos to be taken and displayed in a comic strip style with word balloons and and caption boxes all over them. And um, Sergeant Streetwise is undercover as a hippie. To try and bust I think the, this is technically called Fumetti. That, um, right. Star. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Thank you for that one, Peter. Hmm. Um, and then we did get some feedback, a pile of it, um, which is relevant to the answer. Um, but here it is. It's from Rob Kelly from the Fire and Water Podcast, and he said, "Hey guys, enjoyed the show as always. Read the question of the week. I had many thoughts on this. I decided to rule all Batman stories out as it's a little too obvious to go to that well. So my answers are." Superheroes, Daredevil Born Again. Not only is it a wonderful Daredevil story, but it features cameos by the Avengers, and Miller and Mazzucchelli managed to make them work in this incredibly street-level story. Thor's single panel might be my favourite Thor moment of all time. And if you told me at the beginning of the Born Again storyline that Thor was going to appear, I would have said, no way, you're going to ruin this gritty story by having a Thunder God show up. That's what he would have said. That's what he says. Non-superheroes, Somerset Homes by Bruce Jones and Brent Anderson, published by Pacific Comics in the 1980s. Somerset Homes is a wonderful, twisty, hitchcockian tale about a woman who has amnesia and gets wrapped up in a murder plot. It's high fun, but drenched in atmosphere, and I can't believe it hasn't been adapted into live action yet. I've never heard of that. Have you heard of that one, Mike? No, I have not. No. Yeah, maybe you made it up. Anyway, uh, (laughs) and he said, thanks, Rob. And he said, thanks for playing my promo. That's so, all right, mate. That's what we do. That's, that is how we roll, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So another vote for Born Again. Mm, very, very popular. Um, now, do you have an answer yet, Paul, or should I go with my lame answer? Because apparently Batman should not be considered for this question. <laughs> I'm going to go with... I was going to say Daredevil Born Again, and that's what I was thinking of when I <laughs> penned the question. But I think that's well covered. Well, well... Mm, well and truly, and yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to give an answer that no one else has given, and that answer is Catwoman. Oh! Catwoman. Oh! Okay. Yep, she had a really... Uh, the Volume 2 of the Catwoman comic, or the Volume 3, I think it is, mm-hmm. which started with um, Ed Brubaker and... Great art by Darwin Cook and stuff like that is awesome. It's fantastic, and I love it. And um, yeah, that's that's a really good run. It's got Slam Bradley in it, which is another Ooh, um, nice. nice streetwise character. Yes, yeah. Yes. So yeah, I, I'm going Catwoman because no one else did. So, <laughs> well, I'm a hipster. <laughs> look at you with your Catwoman fetish. Uh, yes. So similar to that in that same universe, I'm going to say, as a combined character, the Gotham City Police Department. That, the GCPD uh, series, so you had, you know, Commissioner Gordon and Renee Montoya and Harvey Bullock, just those guys, uh, getting to see them acting on the street level and not being so reliant on the Batman, maybe, even though Batman would be my first answer, but I realise that he's maybe a bit above the street level. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on which era you're looking at, I know he's been into space, and that's way above street level. So I'll say the GCPD. Uh, nice. I, I really enjoyed that series. That was was good fun, and yeah, that's that's who I'm going to run with. I so respect your answer, and you. I respect your right to have an opinion. Well, thank you. This, this is the platform we have in order for me to do so. Apparently. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Was there anything else in the mailbag? Ah, uh, let me look. While you're having a swim in there. I'm just going to have a uh, figurative rummage in the figurative mailbag. uh, Oh, we have um, some comments. We've had someone listening to our old episodes, and it's Dan S. So I don't know if Dan's going to hear this episode, if he's listening to them all in order. So he might be, you know, Dan might be much older when he listens to this one. But Mm. in any case, hi, Dan. We welcome you. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. We, We want you to be comfortable. Come and have it at home at this podcast. There are no freelancers, though, because they're all gone. (laughs) And we're not John Sable. No. Um, but he said uh, on episode six, which is uh, Oh My Grant Morrison, or OMGM as it's known, he said, Hey guys, great show. I'm late to the party, but the Morrison case, Doom Patrol, were mind-bending to the teenage me. It ran the gamut from thrilling to frustrating. One thing you can probably say about it is that there were never villains like this in the mainstream comics before. Trivia, Driver 8 was probably named for the R.E.M. song of the same name off their third album. 
Oh, we missed that. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, there is a song called Driver 8. There is, and Richard Case confirmed that for me because it must have been uh, when she was on the, the TV show and somehow just in my Facebook feed that song came up. Oh. I messaged Richard and said, hey, probably a dumb question, but is this where the name Driver 8 comes from? And he said, it sure was. <laughs> it's like, wow. well, there you go. I've learned yeah. something new. And yes, so we've all learned something today. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else in the mailbag? Um, I'll have a swim now. Backstroke, backstroke. Uh, there was another <laughs> comment from Danis, this time on episode 10, which was titled Metaphors, Witticisms, and Dudity. Uh, and Dan said, Thanks for the trip down memory lane with these issues of Morrison Case. Just for fun, although I'm late, one of the most unsettling comics I ever read was an issue of 8-Ball where clothes illustrates the psychology behind sports. Batsmen swinging their own phalluses and the like. <laughs> At the age I read it, I was not prepared for this. So that, I'm assuming that was the uh, question of the week for that episode. What was uh-huh. an unsettling um, comic? Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm just going to have a look in the figurative mailbag again. Uh-huh. A figurative yeah. look. Well, no, a literal look. It is a literal look, even though it's a okay. figurative. Yeah. Okay, just so we're clear. Um, and we did get a comment on episode 156, which is Welcome to Doom 1020, which was our previous episode of Waiting for Doom prior to this one. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, unless you're listening to this one out of order and there's more in, around now. Yeah. Um, we heard from Tim Price. And he said, oh, man, the Rita Revelation issue was fantastic. It's definitely one of the favourites from this entire volume. So tragic and horrific, with a downright anger-inducing cliffhanger ending. Since I hadn't read much of Mento, I didn't think he was a complete crumb bum, but ooh, he's got it coming to him. And Rita's going to deliver. And oh, did yeah. she ever. Did she ever. And yes, this is why I hate Mento. Mento's been a crumb bum for decades. <laughs> <laughs> he was a crumb bum back in the 60s. He was a crumb bum in this. He's Mr. Crumb Bum is Mento. You know? Mm-hmm. It's, but thank you, for, thank you for confirming my, <laughs> my beliefs, Tim. Mento mm-hmm. is indeed a crumb bum. Yeah. God, I hate Mento. <laughs> you never mentioned that before. <laughs> Haven't I? Well, like you with Heroes Con. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, dear. Okay, so I think that's pretty much us for this episode. So uh, what's coming up next in the feed, Paul? I I think when we get to DCOCD next, it will be, I think we're doing Rotworld. Oh, nice. You and me, mate, Rotworlding away. Rotworld. I can't, looking forward to it, because I actually really enjoyed Rotworld. Nice. And I have not read it since then, so this is going to be good fun. Yes. Cool. Excellent. And uh, you may have noticed we have a new show on our feed that's just mm. popped up, and that is The Gary Show. Yeah. I think that's self-explanatory. It is. Um, it is. You know, <laughs> come and be a Gary. You know, all the cool kids are doing it. Yeah. Just get your Gary on. Yeah. But people seem to like it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, if you don't want to hear us talk about comics so much and want to hear us talk about other things, The Gary Show is the thing that you may want to listen to if you want to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually at some point we'll be back with, I guess, more of Volume 5, seeing that uh, Weight of the Worlds is um, a little bit further delayed <laughs> at this Into stage. the future. It's yes. very um, <laughs> Doom Patrol Volume 6, the way it's approaching. Yeah, they, so. they were doing so well. They were doing oh, no. so damn well. And, oh, no. you know, they they made it over that final hurdle. They were came around the corner, they are in the home straight, and they stopped to have a coffee. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and do we have a question of the week for the next Waiting for Doom? We do, we do. The question of the week, the literal question of the week for next week is, who's your f- favourite all-time comics editor? Okay. Mm. That's, that's... Right. Okay. I have an answer to this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you do. I will need to think on this. <laughs> because there's a lot of comics editors out there and, and they all do a good job. Um, so, yes, okay. Thanks for that question focus on the technical side of comics that has now got me stumped. So, oh, yeah, thanks, lovely. thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Um, I might go and have one of my minions do some research for me. So, um, yeah. <laughs> do you want my and, minion to help you out with that? No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Thank you. That's fine. <laughs> 
Anyway, if, you, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach out via Twitter. You can say hi to Wilfred at WFDPod. You can email us at waitingvideoom at gmail.com. You can get in touch by the Waiting for Doom Facebook page or our awesome website, which is waitingfordoom.com. And, yeah, as always, be good to each other. Stay weird. Don't be a crumb bum. And we will catch you next time for more Waiting for Doom. And there's no freelancers. I now need to take a short break and run to the toilet. So okay. I'll be back very shortly. Okay. One can only speculate why Mike would be running to the toilet. Perhaps he left something there. Perhaps he left some comics there. Some comics he wanted to read, perhaps. Yes. That would be most likely reason that he would want to run to the toilet. Anyway. <sighs> I'd like to welcome you to the uh, post credit scene of the podcast. Did I tell you I had a, a redback spider on my leg the other day? I was at a petrol bowser um, in the southern highlands, and I was filling up with petrol, and I was going, what's that twitching around my sock? And I could feel something brushing against me, and I looked down, and there was a giant redback spider dangling there. Was that about a redback spider? Nothing. <laughs> uh huh. Right. I'm sorry I'm an old man that had to run to the toilet. Um, okay, what am I looking up? I'm looking up Twitter <laughs> and. It's a podcasting life, yo. Yo, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it'd be great when we one of us wins Lotto and we could just do this full time. Yeah, 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 and and finally arrange that um, panel at at um, Heroes Con. Have you been to Heroes Con? I have been to Heroes Con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone's going this year. Oh, really? Well, coronavirus has taken off. Pretty well, much. yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Did you, someone tweeted, "Welcome to C two E two, the last Comic Con of twenty twenty. <laughs> Are you going to read Tim's next one? Oh, I didn't think you'd finished. <laughs> I had, sorry. <laughs> yes.